This podcast is made possible by Heap, a smarter approach to product analytics. Learn everything about your users, run rapid experiments, and iterate quickly. For hypothesis-driven product managers, there's no better tool. Learn more at heap.io. Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Carlos, for the introduction and for having me on the stage today. So I wonder, or I'm sure some of you wonder what this presentation is going to be about, when your product must be adopted. What I'm going to talk about today is actually my experience at Spotify regarding building products that need to be adopted by an entire company in a timely manner. I'm not going to actually talk about how to increase adoption or how to or where to look at if we don't get the adoption traction as we expect. So some of you might be thinking perhaps, well, you have the best job ever as a PM. You build products, it doesn't matter if they are good or bad, and your customers, in my case, internal customers, developers and analysts at Spotify, will adopt them. And I'm going to say, yes, I have one of the coolest jobs uh, as a product manager. However, just the first part of my previous sentence is true. Nobody is going to use a product if it's not, if it's not good. So. In order to get the adoption, or in order to get my products adopted, I just need to work hard. And as you can imagine, it it gets me time. I need to put a lot of effort and also some money. Jokes aside, uh, my name is Irene Gonzalvez, and I work as a product lead at Spotify. My teams and I focus on the data collection platform. And we are ultimately looking to increase, to increase the, or to improve the user experience of hundreds of millions of users. Without this data being delivered on time, compliant, cost efficient, and of high quality, Spotify wouldn't be able to serve recommendations, do targeted advertisement, or pay labels. After leading the data privacy uh, engineering strategy, we had to build so many new products in order to help Spotify become GDPR compliant. We had to build them like really like at a really high pace, and also they had to be adopted by the whole Spotify before a set deadline. The learnings that I'm gonna share today are not only applicable to regulatory products, but to any new products or product upgrades or product migrations that actually had to be massively adopted, either by internal or external customers. I'm going to start talking about how to build trust with our stakeholders, with our customers, and without the engineering teams. I will continue talking about how to do effective and efficient plannings. Remember that we are actually building, and then sometimes adoption happens at the same time as we are building. How to do follow-ups, and finally, how to do some optimizations to get fast and uh, frictionless adoption. You will go home with three main takeaways that hopefully you can put in practice when you get back to work tomorrow. 
Just to back up and make sure we are all on the same page, Spotify is an audio streaming subscription service. We launched in 2008 for free and premium tiers, and we are available in around 80 markets. We have over 248 million monthly active users, more than 50 million songs, 500,000 podcast titles, and my teams and I handle more than 500 billion, with B, events per day. And as you can imagine, whatever we do at Spotify, we do it at scale. And when we are talking here about adoption, I'm talking about thousands of people that need to do it and hundreds of teams that need to get uh, or get to use like the new products. How can we build trust? I'm gonna go and talk to our three main pillars on interactions. Customers, stakeholders, and engineering teams. Actually, I was in a conference a few uh, months back and someone said, if your teams, or actually we as product managers are here to serve our teams in all possible ways. If they need coffee, bring them a cup of coffee. And I might say, at least in my case, it's not part of my job description. I'm not sure about yours. But having said that, obviously my teams are fighting an incident and they have been busy for hours trying to mitigate that problem. And if they need coffee, absolutely, I'm gonna bring them coffee. But we product managers are being hired to add value to the engineering teams. You can be extremely nice to them, tell them jokes, stories, bring them coffee as many times as you want, that if you don't add value to them, that is not gonna be sustainable in the long run. At the same time, that you can be a, an, a great product manager, bring so much value to them, know exactly what has to be implemented, get traction from the stakeholders, get adoption. But if you don't behave properly, I would, I would say that that's not the way to go either. If we focus first on how to get trust from the engineering teams, I would say, first of all, get to know your product. And this might sound obvious, simplistic, but I have been attending to meetings where many times actually product managers are coming with an engineer because they need support even to answer simple questions. At the same time, don't be a control freak. Define clear boundaries between product and engineers. We are best at defining direction, strategy, setting requirements, at the same time that our engineers are best at taking those requirements and make a product. Absolutely, we need to be available at any time to solve questions, to clarify requirements, to help in, in any, any um, issue it might pop up. So I would like to tell you a little bit like my story and how I became or I decided to make the transition into product and where I struggle actually the most. So I studied telecom engineering and I was working as a developer for a few years until I decided actually to be on the product side. And at the beginning, I must admit that I was feeling a little bit useless, a little bit even bossy without or with all the respect actually to the, to the engineers, the day is a little bit more structured, to put it like that. They come to the office, they either continue working on the, pre, like the ticket they had from the previous day or they go to the Jira or Trello board, they pick up a new ticket and they start a new implementation. And that ticket can be 
as complex as you can imagine. But as a product manager, we come to the office and what shall we do? I started from doing the stuff to tell people you do it. And I was not doing it. So until I, get, I got a really good advice from a colleague, you are helping your team in a different way. That took me a while to understand, but then I said, aha, that's right. By meeting customers, by setting the direction, the strategy, the requirements, I'm actually helping my teams. But knowing what to do every day is where the tricky part comes. One day we might be talking to customers because we are actually selling our products for them actually to adopt it. Another time, we might need to be sitting with our teams because the requirements are not clear. The day after, we are meeting the stakeholders because possibly we need to get more people into our teams in order to deliver what we promise. And another advice that I got is that we can be extremely busy, but are we actually doing the right things? I think that's the complexity actually of being a product manager. You can have two teams and you can attend every single planning for two teams, every single stand-up, the retro, but is that useful? In some cases, I would argue it is. It might be needed, but in some other cases, it's actually not. So find the gap and fill it is where I think the trickiest part as a product manager comes from. And I would like to end this, uh, this part of getting or building trust with the engineering teams, saying that behave, act, and work as one team. I have seen many product managers saying, they do this, I do that. And what I like to say is that we are all on the same boat. I'm not successful if my teams are not successful. I can have a really shiny strategy, but if that is not developed, my impact is gonna be zero. At the same time, we can have really great developers, but if what they develop is not gonna be used, at the very least, they are gonna be absolutely demotivated. How can we build trust with customers and stakeholders? So first of all, I often get questions regarding what is the difference between internal and external customers. If I can summarize it in one sentence, customers are always customers, but internal customers are much more accessible. If I wanna see how my customers use my products, I just go one level up or down, I sit down with them and I say it. But at the end of the day, nobody's gonna use a product that doesn't work, or if they have to use it, they will not do it without any complaints. We need to meet both customers and stakeholders. We need to understand their pain points. We need to understand their use case, how we can help them. But I would say also, we need to meet customers even though we know already the outcome of the meeting. So for example, I have been a part of in, uh, designing the strategy for a new instrumentation framework to know actually how our users use Spotify in the different apps and in the different platforms, desktops, speakers, cars, and so on, in order actually to track the whole user journey. So we decided to focus first on the apps, and the, the main reason for that is because the highest number of customers that we have is coming from, from the different uh, apps, Android and iOS. However, we had a use case, uh, and I had a team actually uh, that was, they wanted to talk to me because they wanted to make sure that we would implement this use case, and it was for non-authenticated users. So users that haven't logged in into the app, 
we want to know also how they use Spotify and why they didn't log in and, and what happened. Obviously, this team came to the meeting. I already knew the outcome of the meeting. The outcome was that I am not going to implement it at this point. I'm not going to put or prioritize this requirement. The reason? Because we are getting less non-authenticated users than uh, real users. So I always like to say that we as product managers are a little bit psychologists as well. So we go to the meeting, in some cases we need to comfort them and say like, yeah, I do understand you have a really important use case. This case was extremely useful use case, but we had to focus on others that were much more prioritized. So I always say, we need to be clear. Are we gonna implement it, yes or no? And always provide a reason. And in this case, because I treat with internal customers and we have a company-wide strategy, it's much, it's much easier to justify, like, I'm not going to prioritize this use case, and these are the reasons. And normally that is tied to the company strategy. Another thing that helps uh, by having, actually, internal customers is, in this case that I'm talking about the new instrumentation framework, we had a lot of customers that really needed to have the new instrumentation framework in place because they couldn't use the previous one. So they offer even themselves to help us build the product. And that is, that is really great for us. First of all, because we have one customer already on board, we can make sure that that uh, use case is already uh, supported and we are gonna move faster. But don't forget, we need to have the head of the like, PM on all the time because we are not building a product just for that particular customer, even though that customer is helping us out. What we are doing is building a product with some support, but that will fulfill the majority of the use cases. And if we recap what we are doing, building a product, we need to get mass adoption in a really short time frame. Onboard alpha and beta testers as soon as you can. And how to actually increase or start with adoption? over-communicate, and here the over-communicate is the right word. Communicate even more than you think is reasonable. So it's not enough that you send an email or a weekly newsletter saying, hey, my product is almost done, we are waiting for people to start adopting that. That doesn't work. Use all the possible channels. Use the newsletter. Do you have a Slack? Well, we actually put the same message on Slack. Are you having internal meetups? Be on the meetups. Are you having point of contacts in the different departments that they need to use your or adopt your products? Contact them. Whatever you do is not enough for getting like a quick, really quick adoption. And finally, report. This is both useful for customers because they can see your progress, but it's mainly for stakeholders. And I would say here, product managers can be in charge of reporting, but if you can avoid it, do it. I think there are people much more prepare like project managers that can do it better and faster and, and so on. And in the case that you have to do it, make sure that you automate it in all possible ways. So who to onboard first? So in our case, we want like the whole company basically to use the product. So what I would say, we need to use the power and influential customers, or we need to onboard the power and influential customers the first. I can be talking about how good my products are, how easy it is to adopt them, how friction, like, is no friction on them, but if the same message comes from a customer, 
the same message is 200 times more useful or, or, or it will reach uh, a more, much more wider audience. Okay, so now we have all the trust from our teams, stakeholders, yeah, customers, and now we actually need to plan the work and make sure that we follow up. Again, a lot of people say that we as product managers are responsible for the plannings. We are the ones running, we are the ones in charge, and I would totally disagree with that. And here I'm talking mainly about the quarterly plannings, not the plannings we do before uh, the start of each sprint. I do my homeworks before we have these plannings, but I also trust and ask the engineers to do their homeworks before we meet. I always like to start with a recap from the previous quarter. Even though if the quarter didn't go as expected, I think it's always good to boost the energy to actually list all the features, all the uh, new shiny things that we have delivered. It's very easy to forget. When we go on the day-to-day -day basis, we always like take one thing, implement it, launch it. Take the next thing, implement it, launch it. So it's always good to stop for a while and reflect. And I have found this is super motivating for everyone. You feel like, wow, this is pretty cool. We launched so many things. We are ready for the next quarter. After that, and it doesn't matter how far from the end product you are, we see it pretty far because we work with platform and infrastructure, it's always really good to connect the work that we are doing with the impact that it's gonna have on the company. I have found that also like extremely motivating for, uh, for the teams. After that, I always ask the same question. What can we do to keep our systems or products stable? We as product managers really wanna launch new products, new features all the time. But we shouldn't forget that one of the key things also is to keep the lights on, to make sure that the products that we have behave in a stable way. We don't get like a huge burden of, of uh, incidents. And it's also our, jobs, our job to challenge the teams. I have had teams that were really scared of incidents and every time we were doing these plannings, they had like tons of things that they wanted to fix or refactor or they had a spaghetti code and they wanted to remove it. In some cases that might be needed, but I think we should challenge them all the time. What is the cost if we don't do it? And I asked them actually to put it in post-its and divide it in must-do and nice-to-have. And then we will place it uh, along the quarter. And finally, I asked them, what shall we implement next? And before I, or before actually I talk about what it should come or what I think is gonna be, or we need to focus on, I asked them as well. If there is a close dialogue during the previous quarter, nothing actually should come as a surprise. And I, in, in my personal, or my personal view is I like to involve people during the whole process because I think that works much better. Once they have to implement it, nobody, or nobody actually feels, well, this is new, how are we gonna approach it? They already know that we are gonna focus on A, after A, B, and, and so on. One thing that we have realized as well is that at Spotify we advocate for autonomy and that is uh, something that I feel is extremely powerful and useful. But at the same time, we have realized that teams focus on their missions and perhaps sometimes they are not doing whatever is the most prioritized item for maybe the company is a bit too much because you cannot move someone that is working in the platform with 
moving to recommendations, but even in the same product area. So we have been experimenting with that to see like if we need to deliver A, and for some reason the team cannot make it, or there are delays, how can we make sure that the product area delivers on what is more important? And I don't have any magic or any solution here, but uh, one thing that has been uh, working pretty well for us is to make sure to involve all the, all the engineers and all the teams in the work that the whole product area is doing. So in this way, if that is needed, we will not move people around, but what we will do is move work around. That doesn't happen very often, but if it happens at least, we get the support from the other teams because they understand that this is the priority and the product area needs to deliver on this priority. When Spotify introduced OKRs, I'm not really a process-oriented person. Um, so then I, I thought, oh my God, another process in place. I'm gonna need to spend like hours thinking about OKRs, reporting OKRs. But I must admit that OKRs are extremely useful in these particular use cases. First of all, and well here, most people know what OKRs are, but objectives and key results in case someone in the room didn't know. Um, so I must say, as I said before, that in the beginning I didn't like them, but then I found them useful. So it's a way for my teams actually to show progress regarding, well, we are building new stuff, where are we? Uh, a lot of teams are adopting, where are they? And this is particularly tricky in that case. So you can have so many conversations with different um, customers and they can tell you, yeah, sure, I'm gonna adopt your products. But if that is not part of the OKRs, that is not gonna happen. So it's a way actually for me to keep traction of who is gonna implement it, when, are there any delays? And what I usually do is, uh, when I have to write down OKRs, I try to make sure they are a little bit inspirational and I focus on the impact. So it's not the same to say, three teams are gonna adopt this product. Instead, I would like to say, well, 20% of the data at Spotify is actually, or personal data at Spotify is actually encrypted. At the end, you are saying the same thing, but it's much more inspirational. Focus on impact, not on delivery. Optimizations. Our products need to be adopted by the entire Spotify in my case. Run usability tests as soon as you can and incorporate the feedback. We also had issue, or we usually use issue trackers, meaning that that is a live document People come or customers come and provide us feedback. It can be a bug, it can be a use case that we don't support. And in every planning, in every sprint planning, we always go through that list. Take into account that this is a live document. If people provide feedback and we don't answer, the document is gonna die. So try to be proactive and get the best out of it. Improve performance and be cost efficient. So this is again, when we launch padlock for encryption and decryption, the queries that we are gonna run now obviously are gonna be slower, right? It's not the same if we are talking about two seconds or 0.5 milliseconds. And it's not the same either if we are talking about running the query once, then maybe two seconds could be acceptable or if we are running thousands of queries. Imagine thousands of queries, suddenly we go from 0.5 milliseconds to two seconds because we have introduced a new product, Spotify will be extremely slow. 
and have awesome documentation. So we are a team of 10 people, 15 people. We can go and support the adoption of the products. We can focus perhaps on the most critical use cases or the more or the trickiest use cases, but we cannot support a thousand people or thousand uh, users that will adopt our products. So if you have step-by-step -step documentation, that will definitely help to increase adoption. So first takeaway from, from me, behave and work as one team. If you need to deliver, build something fast and deliver something fast, either you behave as a team or you are gonna have so many delays. And if you have delays, maybe that's not even that bad, but maybe you will create a product that doesn't fulfill the requirements from your customers. One team, one direction, one strategy, one goal. Trust, you need to trust or you need to be trusted by your engineering teams, customers and stakeholders, but you also need to trust them. Number three was optimize your product for the most common use cases and make it, possi make it possible for the least use ones. Thank you very much. This podcast is made possible by Heat, a smarter approach to product analytics. From data-driven hypotheses to product insights, Heap offers product teams a clear pathway from data to decisions. Learn more at heap.io. Thank you for listening to the Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.